Hello and welcome to My Camino, the podcast. I'm Dan Mullins. And can I begin by thanking you for your kind words in relation to last week's podcast with Jennifer Wills. If you haven't heard it, I recommend sitting somewhere quietly for 45 minutes to take in the wisdom of a mother who takes her daughter on a spiritual journey of discovery. Both of them found what they were looking for. This is a podcast about the Camino de Santiago, a series of pilgrimages across Europe where pilgrims make their way to the remains of Christ's Apostle St. James in Santiago de Compostela, St. James under a field of stars. The pilgrim journey is not just on the trail, it's in our hearts, our minds and our souls. And I always start with a quote and I'm most grateful to my friend from the US, Carl Stickelmeyer, who sent me a quote from the 13th century Persian Sunni Muslim poet Rumi this week. He said, I am content to walk alone, but to walk in company with others adds vigour and passion to the journey. My guest this week is a Canadian author, John Mayer. John sent me a copy of his new book, Shadows, Shells and Spain. As you can tell by the title, it's about the Camino de Santiago. It's brilliant. John himself is a pilgrim. He's on the line from Toronto. Welcome, John. Hey, thanks for having me, Dan. Hey, we'll get to the to the book in a moment. I'll say again, it's a fantastic read. It's a must-read if you're a pilgrim. So tell us about your Camino. Well, it was yeah, back in 2014. Um, I'm an author, so I've written other travel books. And what I try to do is I try to find some kind of a journey and some kind of like worldwide epic kind of thing that's out there and include a fictional story in that journey. So when I was in Spain for book number two, where a lot of it takes place in Pamplona and during the whole running of the Bills, uh, Bulls Festival, that's when I heard about the Camino. Because I saw all these people you know, backpacking around Pamplona. And they're all walking, they're all like staying in these aburgies, like not in hotels and motels like the rest of us. They were staying in these small little sort of dormitory kind of things. So I actually went to check it out. I'm like, what are you guys doing? What's with, your, what's with the shells? Why do you have like a big staff? Where are you walking to? And then I found out, I met some people and they went, oh, we're doing this thing across northern Spain. We're walking all across Spain. Like, this, that's insane. So um, while I was doing book two, that's when I discovered the Camino and then did the research and went, oh, this is exactly what I'm looking for. This fits all the themes I want to cover in my book and I got to do this journey myself. So, because I work in television here in, uh, in Canada and my boss wouldn't allow it. She would only allow me to take 22 days off. I guess I'm more important than I think I am. So I had to like change my journey um, for my Camino, which in turn turns into the book. Everything that happened to me basically happens in the book. I, uh, I went into the Camino basically doing research. So while everyone else that I met um, was going through, a lot of people I met were going through some kind of life change or going through some kind of hurdle or obstacle. You know, they either had like lost maybe their spouse or maybe they were changing jobs or maybe they just, you know, uh, perhaps conquered cancer or something, often very big and monumental. And here I was, the happy-go-lucky author going, well, John, what are you doing? And going, I'm just writing a book. And by, by, but by meeting all these people and taking the journey, that's what sort of uh, changed my entire book. I had an outline before I left and changed it when I got back. And actually, while I went there with a little bit of cynicism going, everybody says how much they change and their life is better from doing this. I went in with like, look, I just want to get a story. But by the end of it, 
I agree with them, and despite my uh, my pragmatism or realism or whatever you want to call it, I change for the better as well. So um, I can get into more detail about that, but that's basically that's that's the journey that you come out of it different than, than when you go into it. You know? Do you still feel the magic today? I it, I do and I don't. I'll tell you. I'm gonna uh, staying away from the book, but let me but tell me. I'll tell you this. Before I left. I was I was in between homes. I was leaving. I was I was getting rid of a house. I was going to another place. So I put all my stuff in storage. And then my plan was when I came back from the Camino, I was going to look for a new place to live. But the moment I got back, because I had just walked across Spain for 22 days with the things I needed on my back, on the in the backpack, the moment I got back, I was not in the mood to live in a place again. For some reason, I became this minimalist all of a sudden. Like, no, no, I got what I need. I don't need to have a big house with all my stuff in it. So what I did, I, I basically did not find a place to live here in Toronto for another two and a half years. What I did is I just stayed in Airbnbs, basically, around Toronto. And basically lived all over the city. So a month here, a week here, sometimes just a weekend, depending on what was available and what I liked and, and what part of the city I wanted to be in. And basically, I counted it later. I lived in 30 different places in two and a half years because I wasn't ready yet to go back into living into like a big living space. I was happy just being, like continuing, I guess, the Camino experience of just living with the stuff on my back. Of course, I go to the storage unit all the time and change clothes and whatnot. But basically, I lived with my backpack for another two and a half years. And then only with the third book coming out, I was like, I need a, I need a location again and an address because all my mail was forwarded to my work address. I was like, you know what? I got to get an apartment again because now I need it for a permanent address. And that's what that's the only reason really why I got myself an apartment again in the city. But it sort of stuck with me for that long. You know, and it might have stuck with me even longer except that, as a lot of people I've, I've – other programs I've run into – is that you don't um, – you're not with other Caminos. Like when you're on the Camino, you're with other people that are going through something in their lives, good or bad or indifferent. But they're going through something and they want to go on a journey and they want to leave their phones behind mostly and they just want to like you know commune with the community and the other pilgrims. But when you get back, you get right back stuck back into work, right? I got to pay bills. I got to do this. I got to do this. There's deadlines. There's meetings and that kind of thing. So it didn't crush me, but it just slowly but surely ebbs away um, after, but, you know, after a couple of years. What saved me for a much longer experience was the fact I didn't have a place to live. I didn't have to worry about that. And I was a bit eccentric among my friends. Like, what do you mean you're, you don't have a house yet? I go, I don't. I'm living in an Airbnb right now. And Airbnb and keep moving around. And that's what sort of let, let the Camino glow, if you want to call it, last a bit longer. But now it's four years later. Now the Camino to me is more about a very positive memory and a good time and, and friends I've met along the way and that kind of thing. It's like a positive thing that happened a few years ago. But it, it just there's just no way I can sustain it and keep the same thing going. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, sure. But you mentioned there what your friends and, and family made of it, this, this kind of nomadic pilgrim lifestyle. What would you say to someone or any of them or, or someone listening now who are thinking of walking the Camino? Well, first of all, well, I recommend it to everyone, you know. Um, and again, whatever obstacle, I mean, I mean, obviously there's always financial challenges and there's challenges, you know, that not everybody can go for the full extent of the Camino. 
But the lot when I the lot of Spanish people I met, I mean, it's easy for them because they live there. It's in their backyard. But they just break up the Camino to whatever they can do. They do it a week. They do it a week one year, and then they continue on a week later and do another uh, week and and so on and do it that way. I recommend if you're from North America or, or, or Europe or, or outside of Spain or from Australia that you try to do as much as you can in one big chunk. Um, but things are going to happen. And, and with people, I, I read things on Facebook groups and people are always worried about things like, you know, the ATMs work, will my phone work and all that kind of stuff. And again, still using that kind of 21st century mentality with technology, like will my things work? And the point is they got to do this with the mindset like that's not what's super important yet. Yes, if you have family and kids and you and, and loved ones that you need to get back to, there are places you can go to a hotel and you can and you can get online and, and you can you can get a hold of people. But for the most part, try to put all that stuff away and do it. And there's no way I think you can do it, no matter how negative or cynical you are about it, that you cannot I don't I don't believe you can do it without coming away feeling much more more positive. Because it, everyone I've met that has done it has come back, you know, feeling better. Definitely, definitely feeling better as far as losing weight. Because I, everyone I know has, has, has lost weight, but just feeling better mentally. And 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 some for some people, um, the community is what you make of it. I've met a lot of Roman Catholics. Um, they say a third of the people that the pilgrims that walk are Roman Catholics who have a, a greater uh, connection with their faith. But if you're not, if that is not your your thing, I know a lot of people there that that weren't spiritual still came away with some kind of you know uh, a better understanding of themselves um, and their lives. But uh, it could be whatever you want it to be. Is it a little thing? Is it just that moment in your life you're just like, you know what? I got a lot of stuff going on. I just want to get rid of it for a while and just walk the open road and think. And you can be as you can be as friendly as you want, and be as communal as you want, or you can be you know as independent as you want. Because every day will be different. There's times when, even though there's thousands of pilgrims on the road the same time as me, I'm all by myself on a, on a on a highway or a, on a country road with no one in front of me and no one behind me for miles to the point where like I'm going, where is everybody? turn because there's nobody here and then all of a sudden you go across a hill and boom then you see tons of people again but every night is sort of again everyone gathers in most of these spanish towns of town squares again and that's where you meet everybody it's not even on the road it's when you get to the town that you're going to that day because everyone's kind of doing the same length everyone's doing that same 20 25 30 kilometers we're going to see everybody again so I met people every days, and by the end of eight days, we all became friends. We all knew each other's lives, and then I got injured, and then I had to take a, and then I couldn't walk for a couple of days. But I, so I took a bus as opposed to walking. I took a bus and moved forward on the communal for a few days until my until my ankle healed up, and I basically had to start all over again. So my first thought was, oh no, now all my people, all my friends who I know are gone. But now I'm now I'm starting over. But the thing is, within a day or two, I had a whole. Everyone's in it together. It doesn't or whatever. Um, everyone is like we're all in this together, which I think which I think is amazing. I don't know any other travel experience where you would get that. You know, where you're you're you might be a 55 55 year old semi-retired person or a college student, but 
you're both hanging out together in the same places during the Camino. I don't know where else you would do that because we're, you know, people like hang out with with each other. Like if you're if you're here in Toronto, college kids hang out with college kids, semi-retireds hang out with semi-retireds. You don't see them together, but on the Camino you do. And I think that's pretty that's pretty special because we're all, you know, no matter how fit you are or whatever or what age you are, we're all in this together. And I think that's and that's that's rare for a travel experience that you're going to get that. You sum it up beautifully in the book uh, because, and it happens often, uh, you know people only as Melbourne Colleen or, or Toronto Jamie or Sydney Dan. You know, it doesn't matter what you do for a living. You're a pilgrim like me and we're all in this together, as you said. There's something very... Uh, it's it's such good it's so good for the spirit it's it's freeing isn't it every day i mean the conversations are similar every day i mean my my coworkers where i work right now they they know about me but i don't really talk about my feelings or anything that's really, that's bringing me down or anything major right you don't do that but for some reason the information very quickly you know I mentioned in the book that the first thing to do when you, when you when you meet with people again in the evenings or whatever is like, hey, how's your feet? It's always about the feet. You got to make sure you're good. How's your blisters? You have blisters. You're taking care of them, that kind of thing. Once you get the feet out of the way, it's like, okay, how's your sleep? You know, to sleep good because there's people that snore out there and they interrupt your sleep. Some of the dormitories are very uncomfortable. Some are wonderful. So everybody does compares the sleep thing. But after that, it's not even about what you do for a living. That's not, it's not, that's immaterial. It's more like, so why are you here? Why are you on this Camino? And I'll be amazed at how many people open up about their lives so quickly and let me know like, oh, I'm going through, you know, my husband and I aren't getting along. I gave him an ultimatum and now I, this Camino, I left him behind and I'll figure that part out when I get back. I'm like, wow, like that's just, that's just throwing all that information out there. And uh, that's what they do. Um, everyone kind of did that thing. It was like, I am unleashing now. I'm going to tell you. Like, I might not see that person again for the rest of my life, or I might see them every day for the net. As long as we walk the same speed, I'm going to see them every day for many, many days. Or I'll never see them again. But people are just that kind of sharing thing. And it was no judgment. Everyone just listens. You're like, oh, okay. And, you know, you don't even really offer advice. It's just listening to other people, like, with whatever their issues that they're... And there, it turns because the first two weeks, it's more of a people are talking about, here's my issue at home. But you see the change about halfway through where people talk less of stuff that's bothering me to more about, oh... I'm embracing this sort of independent walking where I have a lot of time to think. I'm working things out. And the thing becomes a much more positive thing. My, the spin is different, right? The first couple of days, it's more a lot of this. But by halfway through and beyond, no, it's everyone gets a lot more cheerful and a lot more grateful. And it just, the whole tone changes. Um, and, I, and I really noticed that, um, that people, you know, they just, they're going through something. And, and they might not share exactly what they're going through, but because that's not important. But we all kind of feel it. We just kind of know it. Like, yeah, yeah, this is this is working. Because the road, just walking, uh, whether it's beautiful scenery or not, you know, you just start thinking. You can't help it. And you think 
positive way. Even think problems, you're like you're really working them through. Um, so it's pretty, it's pretty special. So I, I noticed that with a lot of people, um, just just making that change partway through. Yeah, yeah. Let's let's talk about the book because you touch on many of those themes in the pages of the book. Uh, you've written Bulls, Bands in London, uh, second Bullets, Butterflies in Italy, and now this book about the Camino, Shadows, Spells, and Spain. I got the spiel for Shadows, Spells, and Spain here. Lost and listless on the island of Mallorca, Jamie Draper searches for his estranged wife, Pam, who has left him without any explanation or warning. Exploring her last known location, Jamie stumbles upon an urgent letter from his missing wife promising full disclosure as her sudden departure and her current whereabouts. There's just one catch. Her adventure is disclosed in a series of letters she's left hidden along the ancient Camino Trail across northern Spain. Now, armed with a list of clues to track the letters down, Jamie retraces Pam's footsteps while being both entertained and challenged by the many colourful Camino characters he meets along the way, including the enchanting Brie, who harbours her own secrets that just might compromise Jamie's intended reunion with his wife. One review says, this is no guidebook. This is the real story behind the majestic Camino de Santiago. So I'm not going to give away the plot or what happens, but I will say this, if you're a pilgrim, you'll love it because it'll take you back to where you want to be on the Camino. And if you're thinking of walking, you'll love it because it paints the perfect picture of what to expect when you walk the Camino. Every book I own is ruined by a green highlighter. No one borrows books off me, I can tell you. So I've highlighted parts of the book, and I just want to go through them with you because they're fantastic, John. You wrote, The majority of pilgrims were walking the Camino simply as a break, challenging as it might be from their modern-day lives. In the Middle Ages, because of the inherent dangers of travel, a pilgrim would have to settle his financial affairs before leaving on this type of journey. He had to pay off his debts and forgive debts owed to him. He had to draw up a will and even make clear arrangements with his wife that if he died along the way, she could remarry without the stigma of scandal. Instead of wrapping up the fiscal affairs before they boarded a plane, many pilgrims today are walking because of financial troubles. Perhaps they had lost their job. Yes, you mentioned before they hated their job so much they needed a mental break or maybe they were changing careers and just wanted to have a little adventure. It's so true that we are all looking for an opportunity to escape. And what I'd say to you, John, is there are very few opportunities to truly escape. Yeah, I agree. And I think, and I think, and I think when people have people that are considered the Camino, I think the big thing is because even my, you know, some of my friends and family too, to them, travel is an escape. They're like, wow, you're, you're going, to, you're, you're running away from your problems if you have problems. And to them, it's a little, you know, irresponsible. But I say it's the opposite. But that by only through travel do you sort of like have time to figure it out away from all the distractions that you actually give your figure out whatever's bothering you back in, in your home city, whatever. And I think, and that's definitely true of the Camino more than any other trip I've ever taken. And I think, and, and again, with this, with the, with the character of Jamie, I had to have him lost because a lot of the other characters or most people I met are lost in some way, whatever it is, um, or even maybe not even lost, but just need that mental, like I need a break from what's going on. The day to day, day to day grind. Like while I did the when I did the walk of Camino, 
like I said, I didn't know the plot that comes from the book comes from my own personal journey. Jamie's a lot like me, um, but so his so his thoughts of, of the of the Camino are my thoughts basically. Um, but I had to give make his character go through something. It's the only way to do the Camino. Otherwise, it just because most Caminos I've most Camino books I've read and there and there's lots of them are very first person of like here's my adventure, here's what I did. And while I have some of that, I also think that a lot of it is is a little untruthful, if you know what I mean. Like I had a guidebook that, yeah, you need a guidebook that they'll let you know the distances between each town and how many um, you know hotels there are and the albergues and what their prices are. You need that, right? But I don't. But I think if that's all you're reading, you're not. It, it, there's more to the Camino than that, right? There's no there's no description of the long the long hours and how hot it's going to be. And that if you have allergies like I do when you hit Galicia, the vengeance and you're going to sneeze a lot. It doesn't happen to everyone, but it happened to me. And the flies that are everywhere and all that kind of stuff, those are not in the guidebooks. Those are not in a lot of the communal books I, I read. And not that these are bad things or just obstacles that you have to face. And that's – describe what I felt with the communal is. Because not every moment was glorious, you know. Luckily, I had great weather. That was the one thing. I had only had 90 minutes of rain the entire But I want to describe this is what's going on in the summer of 2014, in June. This is what the weather was like. The World Cup of 2014 was happening, and these were the people. That, these are every minor character beyond the, beyond the major three characters of the book are people I met on the trip. That these are exact, not exact, slightly changed. I might change their names. I might change their location. A woman I met from Sydney, I might call, say she's from Melbourne or that kind of thing, or a guy. But basically, those are the kinds of characters you may, you might meet on your Camino. But the thing is, if you walked beside me on the same Camino journal, journey I did, you would probably have a completely different impression of your Camino. Just because you're a different person, you might meet the same people and a person that I think is amazing. You, vice versa. You know what I mean? Like everyone will have their own Camino experience. This was just mine. It's supposed to adding to the pile of another personal journey. I wanted to add a fictional story that's true. That meaning that it, it's this could happen, but I wanted to make it believable. I mean. The wife that leaves the letters along the Camino that he has, that, he, that she gives him clues to find them, is a bit manipulative, but that works for the plot. But also through his discovery, he learns all about his wife and why she left him, and all and the secret she was holding, and also changes him because he goes through a lot of different emotions throughout this book. There's times when he's angry, there's times when he's obviously sad and remorseful, and other times when he's quite joyful. But I think that's what a lot of people go through during the Camino. So I had to make sure. So I wanted my character to go through the same kind of an emotional roller coaster because by the end of it you know people are exhausted but they're also so happy at the very end so I want to make sure that my characters are sort of going through the same thing but you only get that happiness and that accomplishment by get there it's not going to be easy all the time and that's that's a thing and that's why even on my website I give a lot of warnings to people about hey you're probably going to get in Try not to, but you, you might. So here's some things you can do to sort of try to you know avoid them as best you can. 
because a lot of people are limping around. It's not always a walk, a nice, easy walk. Sometimes, some of it's pretty hard, and some people were hurting for a bit, but almost everyone I met, you know, you sold the one anyway. You know what I mean? Yeah, 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 that's right. You, you wrote the only real and tangible concept that was universal among pilgrims was this. As long as you opened your eyes to the power of what the Camino could do for your life, you'd return home a changed and better person. I, I have written here, just in, in my own handwriting, it's important to be a good listener. Because people are open, are open to telling you their story, you have to be a good listener, don't you? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I mean it depends how, you, I mean, a lot of people will, if you're, if you're a very spiritual person, people will say whether God spoke to them or just the spoke to them but I think that's true I mean whether whether you're a spiritual person or not I think just just the, just the process because there is a there is a routine to it you know you wake up early clothes on you're not feeling great yet you want it most for a lot of us we want to have to get that first drink of coffee getting in me and then you, and you just start walking and with it but within five kilometers you're back in you're back into the spirit of it and everything is new again the scenery is new but you're always you're never you're never going backwards you're always moving forward you know seeing new you know landscapes and new scenery so everything to me you know was like wow you know you think wow you can walk in another 25 kilometers yeah but this is a lot different than yesterday's 25 kilometers i'm seeing completely different things meeting some same people some completely new people experiencing different foods different whatever everything this day is a different day than yesterday even though once again i walk the same distance you know what i mean and i think and you have to just open your mind to it because if you wanted to be even those people that i know that just wanted to make it a slog put their head down and just sort of watch looked at their feet um because things keep changing all the time especially when you go from one region to another eventually I think the Camino is going to speak to you and it's going to make, it's going to make you sit up and listen and go and listen, you know, it, it's not a routine. It's just me here and look around you because a lot of other people are going through some positive change. Hopefully it'll come to you as well, you know, because there's some people that were kind of started off quite, I wouldn't say miserable, but very, not in a very good place. At the fortune of seeing again days later, I would see a change in them where they would, they would, Maybe not into a positive area yet, but it changed. They were changing and definitely evolving by doing the Camino. So I think I think there's the power of it right there. Whether whether you want it to or not, I just think it just gets to you eventually. You wrote, while friends and family back home might ignore you or judge you, these new Camino friends listened intently and embraced you and your flaws. You could be physically hurt, mentally damaged, spiritually suffering, feeling empty, lost, angry, depressed or just adventurous. All was accepted and all was entirely valid. It was, after all, the Camino, the most engrossing and rewarding therapy session of your lifetime. But it's interesting, and I want—I watched Jamie's change, just like you were saying before, that you'd seen people change. W- was Jamie's change reflected of y- your own change as you went through your journey? Um, I would like to say yes, but no, not really. <laughs> the change, I mean, the change... I would say I only changed a small degree. Besides the story I told you about that I didn't want to go back to right away getting a new apartment. That was more of my change. I just, I, 
what changed for me was just that I didn't know how I didn't know how I was going to feel about other people. Um, and what changed for me is at the beginning, yeah, it's easy to get annoyed with some new people because of different habits. But I say by the end of it, you're pretty embracing of everyone. You're like, well, you know. Um, I have to admit that one thing that I did stop doing, uh, I stopped going to less and less. Albergues are basically dormitories where you sleep 30 to 40 people in a room in bunk beds. and But it's very, very cheap, and a lot of people are on a budget, and that's why they do it. But there does get a point where sleep becomes very, very important. So about halfway through the trip, I stopped doing them and only stayed in hotels because I just need – because I'm not – I'm very light sleeper, and there's a couple guys in there. It's usually guys snoring. I can't want to be the negative guy going, listen, man, please don't, don't snore tonight. <laughs> you know, in the – yeah, yeah, in the book you said – Hours passed and I wanted these sleep assassins kicked off the Camino completely and denied the right to approach the glory of Santiago de Compostela. They ruined the pilgrimage for others. They're not worthy of the Camino's embrace and its path to positive change. Then you finish by saying, holy shit, was I tired. Yeah, that's, that's the beginning. There were moments. I mean, I approached a couple of guys. It's not in the... They won't like Jamie if they find out he did that. But a couple of times I woke guys who were snoring. I would shake their little bunk bed and they would wake up. Go, Shh, stop it. Because it was driving me nuts. Um, and then I would tell people the next day about what I did. And depends who you are. Half the people thought I was a hero. Like, thank you very much. The other half thought I went overboard. I was like, well, this is driving me nuts. I got to sleep. I can't do it anymore. Um, because you only need one or two in a room and what bothers and Jamie has the same frustration that I had because I'm not going to be that if you're everyone in the Camino like like I said has faults so one of my faults is like if you're if you know you snore because there's no way you can be a 40 year old person or a 30 year old person and not know you snore you've had someone in your family your lover girlfriend boyfriend whatever at some point college roommate someone said dude you snore there's no way and to know that and go in to a door trying to sleep, knowing you snore, that drives me crazy. I will not accept that. It's like, you know that. I'm sorry. You have to go to your own sleeping chambers. You can't sleep among us. We're the non-snorers. You can't keep us all awake because the snores keep you awake, right? They fall asleep. So anyways, that, that definitely was a frustration I had which is why I recommend to everyone, you know, tolerate the albergues as long as you can, but eventually you may have to go to hotels, which is what I did, just to get out of it. But the only thing is, the only thing you miss in a hotel, you sleep better, A, and B, because then you're always, everyone's very demure when you're in the albergue. It's always towels, shirts on, everyone, because it's mixed, it's mixed, uh, it's women and men are sleeping in there, right? So you want to be polite. But it's very refreshing to be in a hotel room, come out of the shower and not immediately cover up and sleep whenever you want. It's pretty lovely. You pay more and you miss some of the camaraderie. But as I make a case in the book, you don't meet people in the burgies don't talk much. You wash up and you go to bed. It's really on the road and especially in the town squares. That's where you meet all your that's where you meet people. 
I meant you meet her, you say hello on the on the road, but everyone's walking and huffing and puffing. You don't really have many conversations. It's more of you just say Buen Camino and you keep going. It's the town squares at night. That's where it really picks up, and that's where it becomes. It, can, it depends on what you want to be. There's a lot of people go to mass, and a lot of people just stay indoors and keep it quiet. But there's also a big frat party kind of mentality too, where people from all over the world will gather in these town squares, have some wine, and have and have a lot of laughs and tell a lot of jokes. That happens as well. So the Camino can be can be very spiritual and very personal, very independent, or it can be like a frat party. It really depends. So I my Jamie doesn't does that kind of end, but I've met a lot of people since then who've described the same Camino parts as I have had a completely kind of different journey than I had. I was like, really? I didn't see any of that. Just because you're all walking the same space, but it, it's it's what you do with it and, and who you meet and, and where you go. Because these towns are small. There's only so many places to go. But it's amazing how you can be in the same town as someone else and they have a completely different experience than you. What did Camino's you- going to be as personal as you want it to be. Yeah, that's right. That's that, that's that's very, very true. What did you make of the Spanish people? Because Jamie in the book uh, was in Loroño and wasn't sure where he would, what would he would he eat, and he he wandered into a of one particular restaurant and was greeted with a boisterous hola and a sweeping gesture toward the unoccupied tables. No, no, no. He said, "I'm just looking," and the Spanish weren't aware of that concept. Just looking. What the hell does that mean? You just walk through the door of my restaurant. What's the problem? Sit down. Why do you disrespect me for crying out loud? Eat something. And he eventually picks the fifth restaurant. What did you make of the Spanish people? Well, I found like I found this. I, I found the smaller towns. Smaller towns are very welcoming because the Camino is, is business for them, right? Some of these towns only exist for the Camino. So they count on the pilgrims that come every afternoon and come to their town, see the sights, eat their food, pack up in the morning and leave, and a whole new in the next the next morning. Um, so that to them, they're very friendly. They understand the routine. They understand you're tired. They understand what you're going through. The cities, like the one you just mentioned, the cities are different. Cities like Pamplona or Leon or Burgos or whatever, they don't need the Camino. You're walking through their city, but you're just one. You're just a few tourists out of many tourists who are there for other reasons to see other sites who are staying in nicer hotels than you are pilgrims are like oh you're the cheap pilgrim who's going to have the small 10 euro meal when this guy is staying in a nice hotel he's going he's to spend 60 euros for his meal so they don't need you and they're just they don't they don't uh, they don't rebuff you but there's definitely a difference it's like like it's the city versus the country in a lot of ways and I definitely noticed it the one thing about the city, though, that I really love is with the smaller towns in Spain, and Jamie complains about this too a little bit, is the siesta, because it's such a it's such a weird time of the day. It's one o'clock roughly to five o'clock. You just get there at one o'clock, and the first thing they do is they welcome you. You get inside your albergue, you're ta- you're taking your shower, or whatever, and then everything's closed for four hours. And usually one only one tavern or pub or something will be open for the for the pilgrims. But everyone else has gone back to their homes, taking naps or doing what they're doing. And then they don't open up till five. And I find that so weird in a Camino town that's that's built there to serve pilgrims that the moment you get there, they lock their doors on you for four hours. It's just it, and it 
blows my mind. And it's not even the heat of the day yet. The heat of the day is more like six o'clock, seven o'clock. That's when it's super hot. That makes more sense to take a nap at the heat of the day inside your house. But no, that's when they open up shop again. So sometimes it's kind of annoying to get to these towns like, where are you guys going? But the cities um, function like regular cities. So most, a lot of, most places are open. So then you don't have to worry about it. I had, I, and I, I, I had three, you only buy three of everything. So when you lose one of your three pairs of underwear, it's a big deal. <laughs> I had to wait three days to buy another pair of underwear because the small towns didn't have a place to buy underwear because they have to go to the city to get their, get their. So I had to like wait three days to even buy, buy some underwear. Then I got to the city. When I got my allergies, I had to wait three days to get medicine because the smaller towns, the pharmacies didn't didn't have were too small, didn't have anything. So the people that say, "Oh, the cities," "Oh, I like all the communal small towns," I like both. They both serve a purpose. The small towns are idyllic, but they're quiet and they'll close on close the doors on you. While the cities at least are functioning and you can buy stuff that you need. So anyone who's walking the Camino when you get in the city, stock up because you might not find it in. So I like, so it's a bit of both. So I find, if I find the, Spain, the Spanish people, yeah, they don't believe in people who look around. They don't mosey around. The moment you walk through that threshold of that door, it's because you want to eat at their restaurant. So, so, so I would start lingering. I wouldn't enter. I'd look through the window. I'd look for the menu. So I know the moment I walked through there, it felt like a commitment. Like, no, I'm eating here. It's very, but I'm going to eat somewhere else. No. That, that doesn't fly. So I got you get used to it. Everyone's got their own little... Uh, you just get used to it. When I was in Italy, they find it weird if I ate alone. Because they always give you this little sad look like, really, solo? You're going to eat by yourself? Like, they don't say that, but they just, they just look solo. I go, yeah, I'm going to eat by myself here. They're like, wow, okay. And then they put you in the back. In France, it's, it's acceptable to eat by yourself. They will give me the best table. I'll go, oh, it's just one. Oh, just one. Oh, right over here, sir. And they'll put you right there on the patio right by the sidewalk, the best seat in the house. Every country has their own little things. You just learn them. And with Spain, too, when I got hurt, I had a swollen ankle, which, of course, because I had a swollen ankle, Jamie gets a swollen ankle, and he does this. And I'd be hopping around, and I took a bus, and I had guys at the bus station shake their heads like, Look at this pilgrim over here. He's not walking. He's taking the bus because he's cheating. Because he's not walking. Sometimes I had to take off my sock and my uh, shoe to show them, like, look, I have a huge softball underneath my skin. I can't walk. Then they go, oh, okay, okay, I get it. You can't walk. And then they would look at you and say, well, then come back next year. And I would say, no, because I'm from Canada. I'm not, I can't just come every year to continue the Camino. This is it. I'm doing it all right now. And whatever happens, I'm doing it. Um, you can go, yeah, we'll walk a few days here, a few days next year. But not us Canadians. I'm here for the duration. We're doing one shot here. Now, obviously, I didn't say all this in English. I know a little bit of Spanish, but that's what I got across. Then like, oh, okay, now I get it. Because everyone in Spain does the Camino at some time of their life. That's a lot for them. And they say that more than half of the, Camino, of the pilgrims are Spanish. So I believe them. There's Spanish everywhere. Everyone around you speaks Spanish. 
on the road and in the towns, which is great. That's what that's 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 the thing they do. We're all visitors there, so how how they run their country. So after it's a few bumps along the way. When you once you learn the ropes, you learn the ropes, and you figure it all out. And it's all smooth. Yeah. A couple of days, you're like, huh? That's how it works. Yeah. That's right. And then you start to grow. And Jamie in the book says, I might not have been the, the model pilgrim, but I was evolving into a more model me. I was still too frustrated far too easily, but I was making slow and sizable strides toward being the supportive and dependable husband my wife needed. I felt it. I was getting closer. I was closing the gap from self-imposed misery to having a stable heart. And he goes along. He says, as he's starting to feel better, I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm not about to high-five a bunch of snorers or anything, right? Yeah. So, so I had that too. I mean, that, that part of Jamie was me a bit too, that I did notice that whatever frustrations I had the first few days, I mean, I got lost my very first day in Pamplona because, to, in my mind, the instructions in the guidebook were misleading. Um, and I was very frustrated day one. I went, this is the Camino? I'm going I'm to get lost. And Jamie gets lost, too, because he starts in Pamplona, where I started. But once you figured it out, and I met other pilgrims, and they would all dismiss the guidebook, like, oh, yeah, the guidebook's not infallible. There's mistakes in the guidebook. You'll get used to it. But now they were the first pilgrims I had met. So once I had that, like, okay, I get it. We're all in this together. We'll all figure it out. Because I'd be walking on certain roads later in the in the journey, and we, we some of us would take, take a right when we're supposed to take a left, and then we'd notice. Hey, where did the like? Hey, where did the yellow arrows go? Well, we all made a mistake collectively. We all made a mistake. Then you just retrace your steps and find it again. So that changes. But the first couple of days is kind of hard because you're that first two hours without anyone behind me. It was a bit daunting, and so I was very frustrated the first couple of days, just like Jamie is. But once I fell into step with other people, then it all get becomes easier. You know. Yeah, and and that's a lesson you could bring home with you, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Because you get home. Because when, when I got home, I, I was excited, right? I mean, not only because now I had my I had my book, but also because of what I went through. We, that experience with other non-pilgrims. You know what I mean? Like, I would get to work. And, and these are friends of mine at work, people who genuinely like me. They don't know you don't know how to share with them it's really hard they'll just look at you and like so how was your trip and as most people do you they, you, you do great uh, it was great and then you want to say something more and they go oh okay cool anyways and then they got a, i have a deadline or i got this to do or whatever some will ask a few questions and they'll be amazed what do you mean you walked across spain yeah up and on it's 800 kilometers i walked 500 kilometers well that sounds crazy and then it's, it's harder to explain what you went through. And that's the frustrating part for some people when they get back. It's like you, you just, it's hard to share with other people what you've been through. And, and a lot of people just don't really want to hear it. They didn't do it. And, you know, you don't want to, like, preach to them and, like, here's what I, here's what, how it will change you. The one, one advantage I have, though, is with this book and friends who have read my book, now that it's been out for a couple of months, that they've read it and now told me, oh, I get now I get what that Camino was all about. I know you did the trip, but now I really understand it. But they had to read about it to really finally get it. 
And now some of those friends are like, you know what? I think I want to do this Camino now, now that I've read about it, because now I understand, you know, what, you know, what, what other people are, why other people are doing it. And, and it, it could help me as well. But then a 300 page book, just a normal conversation. It's really hard to let people know what it can do for you and, and how great it is. It really is. Um, and that, so that's, so it's hard to say, come back and like, Hey, I can use that here because the other people around you didn't do it. They have no idea. Right. Need almost like a pilgrim expat club, you know, where you can have weekly meetings and hang out because that's, that's kind of, you kind of need that, that kind of thing because, uh, no one understands it. And that's, and that's nothing wrong with that. Just the way it is. Um, so it's, I think me walking around doing Airbnbs for two years kept my Camino spirit going. But I think if I didn't have that, I'd be curious like how quickly I get back into that daily grind and routine. I don't know the answer because I didn't have to do it, but I wouldn't be surprised if it was like like less than two weeks, you know? I think uh, it's, it's really one of a kind because you could do it many times you could do other caminos around the world but i do think it's a very unique experience it's hard to translate when you get depending what your job is and what and what your family life is like but just just to drop it and come back i i think it's hard i'd be curious if other people could do it because i i'm pretty tough to bring that back and keep it going but i think jamie in the book uh, um sums it up really well john he says I'm just less. You know what I mean? One word, less. I don't know how else to explain it. Before I was more of everything and now I'm less. Listen, I can handle things better and I want to try new things. If you come away with from the Camino with that in mind, that's a pretty good space, eh? I do think so. And I think in this one instance, Jamie might be smarter than me. Because, uh, yeah, I, I, I was less, and, and, but I was literally less. And last things, and even where I live now, I'm looking around my uh, my building or my uh, my apartment here, and I a lot, and a lot of things are just less. I don't have the big huge couch anymore. Um, I have a lot of things are just yeah, just less. What I do have a lot of is photos from Camino and other trips along my wall. That's what I have a lot of, but that did change me a little bit. I'm not a minimalist, but I definitely you know trim down what I what I need and what I what I own. Um, but other than that, it's sometimes I have to remember the when I get frustrated, you know, where, you know, like, you know, that, that stuff doesn't matter. And I think uh, it's easy to forget, but also uh, if you're in the right headspace, easy to bring back. So I think I have to still learn to do that because I did very refreshed um, for a good long time. And then it just eventually, yeah, it just sort of fades away, which is why I know other people go on you know like a, another kind of spiritual or or mental kickstart they do another camino a few years later you know just a, it's almost not a drug that's the wrong word but it's something like i need to keep getting that jolt back in my life and that's why when i came back my first thing i swore i'll never do that again but now four years later i'm thinking you know what maybe i will maybe i'll do a different camino or maybe I'll do this. I'll do the same Camino to Santiago, but like the greatest hits, I'll just do the sections of the road I like best, <laughs> towns I like best, and sort of do a two-week version as opposed to the full 30-day version. 
or maybe I'll start in a different town in the south or whatever. So now I have changed my mind on that and decided that, yeah, I will probably do it again in some other form. Um, but my first, my first answer, the moment I got back, that was just because yes, you feel exhilarated, but also you feel really tired and you're like, wow, that was, that was quite grinding, but it's only a few years now. It's been four years. I'm going, you know what? I could do it again. And I didn't think that even last year. It's only now. So maybe it's the four year itch. I don't know. But now I feel like I do it again. You know, one of the great things about the book, John, is that you describe with great detail each of the towns, a little bit of history about Burgos and about Nahara and about uh, Burgos, about Loronio, about Arges, all these little places. So for a pilgrim who has walked, it takes you back, as I said at the beginning of the interview. If you're thinking of going, it serves as a very good pointer to what some of the things you might expect to see. And I think also it provides a bit of a spiritual guide as well but that because maybe you didn't go through it i suspect you i suspect you did but jamie the character in the book most certainly does go through it and it's a lovely story the way it all comes together uh and and i really urge people if you want to read a really good camino book to take you back or to learn a little bit about it it's a fantastic read and i've got all the details here about how people can can buy it um I just want to say thank you for your time. It's been a pleasure talking to you. It's really been fantastic. When I get passionate about something, I like to ramble on for a while. Hope, I, hope that was okay. You don't have to worry about that and don't have to apologize at all. Congratulations, John, on a, on a really great book. And, and, and give my best to Toronto. I hope to be there soon. And in the, me- yeah, and in the meantime, Buen Camino. Yeah, Buen Camino to you too. Thank you so much for having me, Dan. My guest this week, the Canadian author, John Meyer. Now, you can find the book, Shadows, Shells and Spain, at johnmeyerbooks.com. John Meyer, M-E-Y-E-R, johnmeyerbooks.com, M-E-Y-E-R, johnmeyerbooks.com. I try not to date my podcasts because I like to think they're timeless. But I can't finish without mentioning the joy of watching the boys get rescued from the cave in Thailand this week. It was just magic. It was an example of what the world is capable of, if only we believed it. I think pilgrims know. That's why we're pilgrims. And it's why I'll be back again next week with another pilgrim's story, our shared journey. The 13th century Persian Sunni Muslim poet Rumi said, I am content to walk alone, but to walk in company with others adds vigor and passion to the journey in life and on the path. Until next week, I'm Dan Mullins. Buen Camino. (laughs) 